0: Yeah, so as you guys turn in there, um, last week, a uh, few friends, you know, my girlfriend and I, we, uh, we went out, we had some fun, you know, we had some dinner, we were just chatting, and um, one of the conversations that came up was on relationships, about relationships, and how um, we all found it quite challenging to build deep and uh, meaningful relationships uh, while living here, because uh, you know, like, for me, for me, I, I moved back to the Bay, you know, just about two and a half years ago. I've been gone for a long time. You know, my friends, they're actually from overseas, so they've been here about the same time as me, um, about two and a half years, so, and, you know, my girlfriend, you know, she was living in Texas before, and then she moved here uh, about a year ago, so, you know, we're all kind of generally still a little new to the area, and, you know, we just found it challenging. You know, not that it isn't challenging in other places, right, of course it's challenging, uh, and, you know, of course, there's also a lot of stuff, a lot of factors uh, that we need to take in. Like, we're not students anymore. You know, we've been students a long time, right? Like, we're, a lot of people go to school and they're, they're 22 years old, you know, or 25, they want to do master's, PhD. You know, they might graduate when they're, like, 30, right? But we're not students anymore. We're not in that, in that, in that bubble where everyone's together, and, you know, you're living together with, with people, with friends, and, you know, you're going to classes together with your friends, and you have a lot more free time. I know we had jobs now, and um, you know, we had a lot more uh, responsibilities, a lot more things to think about. We had, we're trying to figure out adulthood and, at the same time, what it means to be an adult right now. Um, you know, people here, they're generally busier. Uh, you know, they have a lot more things going on. People uh, are, are more disconnected, too. They're more lonely. They're more stressed. Or they're, they're more pressured, uh, someone once said um, that we are more connected with others because of the internet, but at the same time, more and more disconnected as well. Like you can go on Facebook and you can search up old friends, right? Like you might like see mutual friends, or I mean, like you might have mutual friends, or so a friend might be suggested to you. Um, you might be able to find them like ten years later, or twenty years later. Uh, you can you can FaceTime someone you know across the seas. And, and instantly, like, see their face and chat with them, right? We, we, you can send, uh, you can look at people's stories on Instagram, see what they're up to on the day-to-day. You can send them snaps or whatnot. Yet, yet loneliness is on the rise, right? Depression is a huge problem these days. And a, a pastor friend once told me that people don't move to the Bay Area for relationships, right? They move here for their jobs, they, they move here to, to make money, to, to build a career. Uh, like, I don't know how many guys have heard of the term man Jose, man Jose, right? it's, it's comes from like this, the a high percentage of males in the Bay Area, uh, largely because of, you know, tech jobs, right? So, because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of men here, right? They come here for the jobs. And how recently I also read an article that, you know, that in recent years, people have actually been uh, moving away from California in, in larger amounts. They've been going to places like you know Texas or you know or wherever uh, places that are cheaper because it's expensive here, right? It's expensive. Anyone who has to uh, who pays you know for for the living expenses, they, they, they know that it's expensive here. Uh, like a house, that, uh, one apart room, uh, a one bed apartment room here that you buy, you could probably you know buy like a house with four four bedrooms somewhere else. No. So it's expensive. So, you know, this couple that that I was reading about in this article, they they came to the Bay Area to you know try and make it big, but things didn't pan out. So they ended up you know selling stuff and they just moved away. Right? They moved away. And because of this type of culture, it's difficult to get to know other people better. It's difficult to build those meaningful relationships you might work a year here at this company and, you, and you'll you'll change your job and you you know you'll you'll do this other thing you'll move away you know you, you go to school for four years and then you know, you're in college and then you're gone right um maybe if you're if you're a child or or you know like you just follow your parents right wherever they go if they if dad gets relocated or mom gets relocated the whole family goes with and then you, and you move right? you change schools you don't really have a choice in that in that way and, uh, you know, making friends, it can, be, it can be hard. Building relationships, it can be hard. It can be very difficult. And in, but in today's passage, we're going to find that friendships, relationships are very important. That they're, they're very, very important not only for just a person, but especially for a Christian. For a believer, relationships are very important. Christians were never made to walk alone. Christians were never expected to walk alone, to walk this life alone, or to go through life alone. So, as you turn to your uh, in your Bibles to Acts chapter twenty, Acts chapter twenty, uh, verse one, I'm just going to give us a recap from last week. We read about how Christians in Ephesus uh, they were basically the center of this riot. Uh, the, these Christians, they were, um, they were sharing the gospel, and, and they were, in fact, turning large amounts of Ephesians uh, away from the goddess Artemis. Right? Artemis had a temple. She was worshipped there. Right? Uh, silversmiths uh, like Demetrius, they would make sh- silver shrines to this goddess Artemis so that people could buy them as like, souvenirs and take them home. But these groups of Christians with Paul, they were were challenging people. They were sharing the gospel. They were having conversations, and they were convincing people to turn away from Artemis and turn to Jesus. Uh, So these people, they were uh, being persecuted. Uh, There was a riot that wanted to, to persecute them, possibly put them in jail, put them in prison, maybe fine them, maybe even physically hurt them. And as we know, this guy, this is called the city clerk, uh, he he steps in. He's like, hey, guys, you know, let's not cause a riot today. If you want to, you know, prosecute them or or persecute them, like, do it to the court. But just don't do it today because, you know, it's it's okay. Don't do it right now. You're going to get in trouble. Uh, So, but imagine if that city clerk didn't step in. If he didn't step in and say, hey, guys, stop it, what would have happened that day? Yet these Christians, they were still residents of that city. They probably still held jobs there, right? They still had homes there. They had relationships. They had to live there. But things were going to be different now. Things were going to be different. Life was never going to be the same again. The city was never going to treat them the same way again, right? These people who were basically like enemies now of the city, the neighbors were never going to see them the same way again. And these Christians were always going to be known as that bad group of people that tried to lead people astray from their honored goddess Artemis. So let's, let's pick up in verse 1 of chapter 20. When the uproar had ended, right, so when this riot, you know, had ended, uh, Paul sent for the disciples and after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area speaking many words of encouragement to the people and finally arrived in Greece where he stayed three months because the Jews had made a plot against him alright so more people are trying to you know like uh, attack him uh, just as he was about to sail for Syria he decided to go back through Macedonia so he changed his plans because like nah like, I'm not going to face that uh, let me figure out a different way um, he was accompanied by uh, Sopater, son of Phyr- uh, Phyrus from Berea um, Aristocrus uh, and uh, Secundus from Thessalonica Gaius from Derb, Uh, Timothy also, and uh, Tychicus, Uh, these names are pretty hard, and uh, Trophimus, from the province of Asia, Uh, these men went on ahead and waited for us at Troas, but we sailed from Philippi after the feast of unleavened bread, and five days later joined the others at Troas, where we stayed seven days." So, right, after this uproar ended, this, uh, this riot ended, life was never going to be the same again for these Christians of that city. Right? Life was going to be hard. So what did Paul do? What did Paul do? He gathered his disciples, his friends, the people who lived in that city. He gathered them, and he encouraged them. You see that? He gathered them, and then he encouraged them. Right, of all the things he could have done, of all these things he could have done, he encouraged his brothers and sisters in Christ. So the Greek word here for encouraged is parakaleo, parakaleo. It means to urge strongly, to appeal to, right? To encourage. And it doesn't necessarily say, you know, what he encouraged them, um, you know, in, in what sense or like what did he say? What did he do? It doesn't say exactly here. But in light of recent events, I think Paul would have encouraged them to continue living for Jesus. Continue living for Jesus. To continue to shine like stars in the sky, right? That's what, you know, it, it, it Paul often talked about. To, to shine, to light up the dark places of the city for Jesus. To continue to share this gospel message of hope and love and redemption, forgiveness. Through Jesus, that they would continue to, to be a witness for Jesus in this culture that uh, that was all about you know doing more, doing more, and being and, and, and sacrificing more, and uh, you know like pleasing the gods. But here we have this message where this of salvation that doesn't depend on on human works, right? It doesn't depend on us first performing well. Or, or, or doing well before this God will, will favor us. All right. I'm, I'm bald what I've been talking about. You know, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. So hang in there. Hang in there. We know, I know, it's going to be hard living in the city, but hang in there. Right. Jesus is coming back. Right. As you're here, allow the Holy Spirit to continue his good work through you, to continue working in you and through you. Here we find encouragement is so important. I had a friend who encouraged me last week. Encouraged me. I was sharing, you know, some of my struggles in life. You know, just, just living here in the Bay Area. Sharing some of my struggles. Uh, you know, shared about my job, right? How pastoring can be difficult. Uh, as I'm sure a lot of your positions are difficult, right? And he spoke words of encouragement to me. He encouraged me. He said things like, hey, I've seen God... Working in you, now, I've seen it. He reminded me of certain things that I've gone through in the past. He's he showed me how. Hey, I think God's growing you in this area, and it really seems so simple, right? Like th- that's all he'd said. That's all he said. But it was so simple. Yet it was so effective for me. He didn't have to say much, but it was like it just it just really hit the spot, and it was just what I needed. And the fact that um, he, he sat down and he listened right, to my struggles and he was able to empathize with uh, you know, what I was going through, he really understood. I felt like he was really listening and he pointed me towards God and the truth. Like he redirected my, my thoughts, my intentions about from all you know, the stuff I was going through and he was like, hey, like, God's got this. God's got this. You know, he's got you. Scott, you can trust him. In verse 7, let's, let's re- continue reading. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. All right. So uh, this is Luke writing. Okay. Luke is, Luke is writing. So he's saying that we came together to break bread. And Paul spoke to the people. And because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. All right. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young name, uh, man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. Right, sometimes like, you guys might feel like I do that. Uh, when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Right, Paul went down. He threw himself around on this young man and put his arms around him. Right, don't be alarmed. He said, he's alive. And then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. Right? After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. So Paul, he was visiting his friends in Troas. He was traveling with people. He didn't have much time with them, so he decided to stay up all night. Right? Him and his friends, his companions, these disciples they just decided to stay up all night. I'm sure we've all you know, maybe experienced this before you, you uh, when you're younger you go to like a summer camp or something you know you make some friends and you, know, you just want to stay up late right like young people they just want to stay up late like oh it's, it's so awesome to like stay up past 12 like i can't do that at home or something but like you know i'm at summer camp now and my parents are here or maybe it's the last day of camp you're like oh no i don't want to i don't want to leave my friends uh like we've only been a week together but we're like best friends now and like let's just stay up all night or maybe you're, you're on like some trip with some friends, right? You're going somewhere and like, you know, you just want to make the most of that last night together. So you just stay up. So that's kind of what's happening here. Paul and his friends, they're worshiping together. They're eating together. They're fellowshipping. They're experiencing Jesus together. They're uh, breaking bread. So they're remembering Jesus' uh, work on the cross, what he did on the cross when we were seeing men sorrows, right? That's all what Jesus did. Right, him on the cross, man of sorrows, how he, he suffered for us, but he rose again for us as well. And the word here for speak, right, it says here that Paul was speaking with them. It's actually uh, better translated to discourse, to engage in speech. Right? The word is, uh, it's, it's, it says, it's, um, in Greek it's uh, dialegomai, yeah, dialegomai. Which means to engage and speak, which is basically a back and forth conversation. So, Paul, when he was there, he wasn't necessarily like me, just standing up here and talking at them, you know, like for hours and hours and hours, right? Because that's what he said. He talked on and on and on, right? All the way until midnight and until daylight. But it wasn't like this. It was, it was like a conversation, it was back and forth. Okay? It was back and forth. And they were having a good time. You know, it was getting dark, so they had to light some lamps, right? some oil lamps and uh, you know, the room gets stuffy. It, so there's this man, Eutychus, he wants to get some fresh air, so he sits at the window. And they're on the third floor, so he sits at the window, you know, and, and Paulie's talking, he's talking, and the, and the people are talking, and, he's like, and his eyes get droopy, and you know, he, it starts to get blurry, and he falls asleep. He falls asleep. And that night, when he hit the ground, he was dead some people would say, "Oh no, like he—he he, he wasn't really dead." But Luke, his background is he's a doctor, so Luke would have been able to be there and confirm this man's death. Right that night, their dear friend fell from the window. So imagine that y'all are having a great night, having a blast, and someone dies. Someone dies. What does Paul do? What does Paul do? This, they were trying to experience community. They're trying to experience friendship and fellowship, but a death occurs. What does Paul do? He he goes downstairs and he throws himself on this lifeless body of this young man and he wraps his arms around him. I mean, you'd be surprised at how many people who call like people friends, but then like you know when when uh, when their friend needs help, they just like they don't do anything. Right, they just they just they just stare and look, or they're like, oh, maybe someone else will step in and help or something, or or people even laugh. Like your friend gets hurt, like you know, but you just like people are just laughing or they don't they don't really care. Like it's it's quite shocking, but it's true. But not Paul. Paul doesn't do that. Eutychus was like his brother, so he he throws his arms around him and and this miracle happens. This miracle happens and he comes back to life. And no way this could happen unless God was behind that. All right? God loves it when his children they they build friendships and relationships. They love together, they want to grow together. You know, God God loves that. God loves to see us walk together and encourage each other in in our lives. To see ourselves as a source of that encouragement. And when this, when this man he came back alive, he, uh, they actually just went back and they, uh, and they just broke bread. They went back and they continued to eat in fellowship and to remember Jesus. And they continued to talk the whole night. Just like these guys are continuing to talk up here. But yeah, are you... Are you is that my money? Is that my money? Connor? No? Right, yeah, let's put that away. But yeah. So they continued talking the whole night and then what happened? Then Paul, he got up in the morning, and then left. And then the people, that took the man home, and they were quite greatly comforted. They were greatly comforted. So my question to you is this, is that do you have these kinds of relationships? Do you have these kinds of relationships? Do you have companions that walk with you through life? You know, as you go on this life, which is like a great adventure, you know, you don't really know, you know what's going to happen tomorrow. You can make plans, but plans change, right? There's so many things that just happen. Do you have these companions that you go through life with? Do you have people in your life who will cry with you when you're in pain, when you're suffering? People who will cry with you. People who will mourn with you in your suffering. When bad things happen. People who will laugh and rejoice with you. When good times come. People who aren't afraid to tell you the truth. People sometimes think, oh, you know, like, Tolerance, or you know, just just like just like not saying anything is you know is the loving thing to do because like you know you want to judge people or whatnot. Right? You just want them to be happy, but if they're really messing up their life, then like the better thing is to tell them that, right? Or do you have people that encourage you to live for Jesus? As you struggle, you know, with, with living for Jesus in, in this culture, in the U.S., you know, wherever we're at, we're at in, in this location in Silicon Valley, have people encourage you to live for Jesus. You know, at the same time, are you that person for someone else? Are you that person for someone else? So I want to show you guys uh, uh, some slides. Uh, I'll go for this one first. Um, oh, I didn't turn. Yeah, this one. you guys know where uh, what this picture is from? Just shout it out if you know. What? Uh, Africa? Wait, that, that's, that's close. That's close, okay? It's just some thousand miles away, but <laughs> it, it's close. Um, this is New Zealand, right? All right, this is New Zealand. Um, land of sheep, but... Yeah, so this is Lord of the Rings. This is from the film Lord of the Rings. This film probably came out before half of the people here were born. Okay, this, this film's been out for, like, 20 years at least, right? If not more. Um, there's even, like, an earlier version, right, which came out in, like, I don't know, the 60s or something or something like that. But, you know, this is, like, this is, like, a classic, okay? This is one of my favorite favorite films. Um, whenever I see this, this, like, this type of image, I just think of, like, the... You know, the, the, the tune, right? It's like, do-do-do-do, do-do-do, right? Do-do-do-do, do-do-do, like that, that's what I think about. Um, this is one of my favorite uh, movies because I think the story is really awesome. Like, you get some the movies these days, you're just like, wow, this, like, how does someone come up with this movie? Like, the, the storyline is so, like, trash, like, there's no plot or something, or the plot sucks. But, like, this movie is, I think it's really awesome, right? It's based off of a book, Um, and this, the first of the trilogy, this is a trilogy, it's called The Fellowship of the Ring, that's the, that's the first installment, and it's called The Fellowship of the Ring, this ring is basically, uh, okay, this movie's been out for a long time, so I'm going to be spoiling some things, but it's not really spoiling, because it's already been out for a long time, okay, so, okay, but this, there's this ring, which is this, basically this all-powerful ring, this is, this one ring that rules all the other rings, and this ring gives you power, okay. Um, and this ring is also evil, so it needs to be destroyed. Uh, so the, these uh, these group of people come together, and they they're called the fellowship, right? They come together, and you're like, it is our goal to destroy this ring. We want to help each other, and whatever it takes, you know, whatever sacrifice needs to happen to destroy this ring. And this story is is centered around this this uh, this this man named or this hobbit named Frodo, okay. He's a hobbit, and this is another hobbit. And, uh, but I, I really think, you know, this story is, 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 man, I think this guy here, Sam, really steals the spotlight, in, in my opinion. This guy's name is Sam, Samwise Gamgee. Okay. My favorite character, okay, my favorite character. Someone actually asked me, um, it was like an ice-breaking question, um, you know, if, if you could have any fictional character be real, like, who would it be? And people were like, oh, you know, you know, Iron Man, or I mean, Iron Man, like, you know, but like, or whatever, you know, Thor, but like, I was like, no, Sam. Like, if, 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 if Sam could be real, I would, I would want Sam. And I'll tell you why.
1: So Frodo, he,
0: it's his responsibility to bear the ring, right? The ring was passed down to him by, uh, by his uncle. And it's his responsibility to bear that ring. No one else can bear it for him. But we also see that he couldn't do it alone. He couldn't make it to where he needed to destroy it. He couldn't make that journey alone. And he had some help. This guy called Sam, from the very, very beginning, was with Frodo. He was his companion through this treacherous journey of untold peril. Sam and Frodo, they came from a peaceful place called the Shire. It's very peaceful. They just basically, like, farm and smoke and, like, drink and dance, like, all the time. Okay? It was, like, a peaceful, peaceful place. And it was, there it, things were going to change. It was going to get really dangerous. So, here, like, this guy here, he's, like, really creepy dude, right? Like, this guy gave me the creeps when I was younger. Um, his name is Gollum. Like, so he also, well, I'm going to be him so much, but you know, so he he basically becomes their guide because they're like, we don't know how to get to that place, like it's so dangerous, like, and he's like, oh, I'll be your guide, I'll take you through all the secret hidden trails and all that. So you know, they they, they go along with him, but he basically he like wants to ring for himself, right? So he kind of like backstabs them, and he turns Frodo against his, his Sam friend and is like, you know, he wants to ring for himself. So, like, Frodo, you need to get rid of him. And, you know, which he does, which is really sad. He poisoned him. And then, you know, Frodo, he gets, like, captured and stuff. He's always getting into trouble. And then, like, Sam, he's always coming to the rescue to save, like, Frodo. It's like like, I'm not going to spoil this scene, right, but here's here's a sword, it's, you can't really see it, here's a sword, here's this, like, this light that's shining, he's, you know, he's, like, coming to rescue Frodo, um, like, multiple times, this is, like, one of the scenes where Frodo's, like, I can't walk no more, I don't have any strength left in my legs, like, I'm hungry, I'm tired, and Frodo's, like, I, and then Sam's, like, no, I'll help you, like, we, we need to continue this journey together, and I'll help you, and then this, this scene, like, Every time I see this scene, I tear up. I, I like, I, or like, my eyes start getting watery because it's it's like it has one of the favorite like my favorite lines in this whole story. It's like, like I can't carry I can't carry it. He's meaning the ring. I can't carry it, but I can carry you. So then he like lifts them up, and this is like after they've been walking for how many you know how long? They're so tired they don't even have enough food to make it back home, like, they, you know, like, they're, they're so hungry and tired, and he starts, like, carrying his friend, you know, up this mountain, so, like, when I, when I, when I see that, I'm, like, wow, like, what a, what an awesome friend, like, I want, I want a friend, like, you know, like, Sam, if I, if, you know, like, I mean, I do have, I do have those type of people, but, like, like, I would want more, you know, or, like, if I move away, and I, and I can't, we really can't have that same connection anymore, you know, because we're not living in the same area. But wherever I go to, you know, I can make a friend like that again, you know, like things like that. Like I would want to surround myself with that type of person, with that type of friend. And I and I, and I hope that you know, as I go through life, that I would try, you know, to be that type of friend for other people. So Paul, he surrounded himself with good friends as well. Um, from this map, we can see. All the places that Paul traveled in his journey, this is his third missionary journey. So he's traveling all these places, and everywhere he goes, he's meeting people, right? He's sharing the gospel, he's making friends, and he's building relationships with people. And there's this a like, special group that he's kind of with. Um, so Paul, he rarely traveled alone, he rarely did missions alone. So first of all, when he first went on his journey, he was with Barnabas, right? He was with Barnabas, and then uh, he later on, he split away from Barnabas, and he was like, yo, I'm going to take um, some other people with me. And he starts picking up people like uh, Timothy, right? He picks up people uh, like, um, like Luke, right? He picks up people like Silas, and he's like, I want to take these people on this journey with me. I want these people to journey with me, and as we share in our struggles and as we live out Christian life together, I want these people to, be, to surround me. I want these people in my life. And in verse four, if you go back to verse four of this chapter, verse four, how many people was he accompanied with on this journey? How many people do you guys count from in verse four? How many guys count? this is the this is the math quiz right now I did shout it out shout it out seven seven is that right did everyone get seven seven okay yes there are seven people seven people um let's just shout out the names what uh if that you can re- if you can what's the what's the first name let's just Okay, yeah. Say, say it out loud. Sopater, yeah. Who else? Who's the next person? So where, where is he from? Where is he from? Sopater, where is he from? Right? You guys recognize that, that city, right? Berea. We talked about that. So Berea are, are famous um, for wanting to know the scriptures themselves. Paul's like sharing about all these things about God, and you're like, hold up. Let us read the Bible for ourselves to confirm if what you are saying is true. So these people are famous for that. And there's this dude from there, right? This is probably one of the relationships that Paul was able to build when he was visiting that area. Oh, next place. Next place. Next person. Aristarchus, right? Aristarchus and Secundus, right? From Where? All right, Thessalonica. Uh, you guys, anyone recognize that city? Thessalonica. All right, Thessalonica. I think in verse, uh, in chapter, where is it? Chapter 17. Paul visited there. All right, chapter 17. So he met, he met people there, and he shared the gospel there. He's able to build relationships. And as we go on, you know, Gaius from Derb, it, he also visited there. So as you can see, from from the, all these places. Paul was visiting he was making he was look here's third right here's Ephesus Antioch you know Athens Corinth Thessalonica Berea right all up here these are all people that that he's met and as we can see he, he along the way Paul made friends with people that loved the Lord he found like-minded people who desired to see the whole world changed, and desired for the whole world to know God, this God who created people and He and who loves them. And he found people that He could lean on, who He can trust as they go through dangerous journeys. He wants someone who can really watch his back, who can carry him, you know, like Sam carried Frodo. Right, we we also see that people from they're coming from four different areas. If we count they come from four different areas, four different areas right, all across the area, right, who are unified because of the gospel. That's the foundation for their relationship. It's the gospel message. That's the foundation. That's, they're, they're only together because God changed their lives. That's the only reason, right, Paul, the only reason why Paul's there is because, you know, God, you know, came in and on, on the road to Damascus and was like, Paul, you know, this is who I am, and, you know, I, mean, I want you to know me, and I want you to serve me. Right? I love you, Paul, and, and, and your life is going to be changed from now onwards. Right? He had that encounter with God. And likewise, the only reason why you know, we're really here is because, I mean, well, the people who are believers here, the reason why we're here is because we're also bound together and unified by the gospel. Some of you guys are still searching, some of you guys are just listening, you know, maybe some of you guys are, are here because they have to be here for some reason or another, but I think a lot of us are here because we want to be here and we're, and, and we're bonded together by the gospel. Alright, so relationships are really important, but at the same time they can be risky, Isn't it, is it not? Relationships can be risky, because you don't really know how it's going to turn out, right? You don't know. The, the more you let someone into your life, the more damage they can do. Right, you make yourself more vulnerable. People can really hurt you. Right? If you think someone's your friend, or they end up backstabbing you, or you share something, and then you know they, they tell everybody, and then like now you're like seen as this weirdo or something, you know? Like, who knows? It can be scary because you're putting yourself out there. You're kinda of going out on a limb a little, right? Friendships they take effort, they take time, you gotta work at it. Just like with any other relationship or any other thing you do, you want to get good at it or you want to get stronger with it. You got to spend time. You got to work at it. You got to be intentional. And it looks different for every person. When you're a student, right, five days of the week, you go to the same school, right, you're with the same people, like for a long time, you do activities together. Uh, you're just you're, you're kind of there, right? Th- that that's your job. You know, it's kind of be a student. Some some people who go to Chinese school, you're there six days a week, right? In school, so that that's different. Maybe if you're uh, you know working from home, you know, and, and you're not engaging with those people regularly, like in person or whatever, it's a little different. If you're a stay-at-home mom or if you work from home, it's a little different, right? But you guys, you got to kind of figure out what it looks like to be intentional as you build relationships with other believers in your life. And, and I, I think that it's, it's really cool uh, to see different friendships start to form as I've been here. Uh, some of you guys, like, when you first came here, you didn't really know each other, maybe, or maybe you seen each other, but you didn't really talk, um, or, like, you know, just never had that conversation. And, and, and now i was able to see some, you know, conver- uh, you know relationships really uh, bloom a little. And I think that's really, really cool. I, I think that's really awesome. You know, as I work with the youth and, and young adults and, you know, other people, parents, right, parent fellowship that we have once a month. It's, it's really cool to see that. Because I realized, wow, some parents, they've been coming here for, like, years, but they didn't even really know, like, each other. They didn't even know, like, how many kids that person has or, you know, the names of their kids. You know, like, that, that was really shocking to me. So that's really important, though. It's really important. And I know at church sometimes it can be hard because maybe there aren't a lot of people around your age or your, uh, maybe your age and your gender. It's kind of hard. I know that's hard. Uh, maybe you think that people are kind of weird or they're too different. Um, maybe you think, oh, this person's is like, kind of awkward or you think, like, oh, this person kind of weird. And maybe when you're together, you don't know, like, I don't even know what we would talk about. I don't even know what I would say to that person. Like, we don't, we don't have anything in common or something, you know? Like, there's just really no point. But we all come to the same church, though. We're all part of the same body. Like, we're all part of the same group. Like, we're not going to enjoy our, our time together here, right? And now, are we going to enjoy it for eternity with God? Right? That really... That really challenged me when I heard this in in retreat this past summer. The the speaker, he shared this. He was like, man, if you guys aren't going to enjoy your time together, if you're not going to want to meet each other and see each other and and share your life with one another now, now how are you going to do that for all eternity? Right? right. So I want to let you all know that I'm not perfect. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I'm not perfect. I don't do relationships perfectly. I don't. I hurt people. I say mean things. I say insensitive things. Sometimes I don't understand. I break promises. There are times right, where I don't want to talk with people or you know, I'm just too busy. I want to spend my time doing something else or I want to you know, do my own thing or I just want to isolate myself. You know, I'm tired or I'm busy, blah, blah, blah. Right? Like we all do that. You know, I'm not saying that you have to be good friends with like everyone. Okay, like, people tend to gravitate towards certain people, you know, organically, relationships are formed, and that's cool. I'm not saying that, you know, uh, you have to build, like, deep relationships with everybody, right, because we all have a certain capacity. Some people can do more than others, but I heard someone say that, you know, an average person could probably have between one and ten close relationships, about one one to ten. Like, having more, you know, if you can, that's cool, but a lot of people, they don't have that capacity, Right? They're bound by their jobs, their time, their, 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 their things that they've got going on, their responsibilities, right? It just changes. You know, people who get married, I, I hear the oftentimes they say like, once they get married and have a kid, like life really changes. You know, they can't just go out whenever and like meet friends, you know, like they gotta they have a kid at home, right? Like you gotta get a babysitter or whatnot. You know, you really gotta like calculate that time, how you wanna spend that free time that you have. It gets different. Right, but Paul, as he went through life, he found certain people that he liked you know, to be with, and he saw that they really loved Jesus, right? and he wanted to be with them. Right? He wanted to surround himself as they walked together, as they encouraged one another to follow Jesus. So that's really what I hope that we can do here, and that's why I really want to encourage you to, is to not give up. Not give up. Okay? I know it could be hard, but don't give up. Hang in there. Right? Keep at it. Keep putting some effort into building relationships here. Or with other other Christian friends that you have, or right, continue to build those those things, strengthen whatever that looks like for you. It could be sending a text, right, like once a week. It could be phone call, you know. It could be video chat. It could be like you know hitting them up, you know, online, in, like in a game or something, you know. It could be like just just be together, you know. Spend that time together, you know. Like ask them something one week and then follow up on the other week, like, hey, how did that go? You know, like I heard you had this going on, you know, like find those things, right, and build those connections, because relationships matter, and find people that you want to walk with you as you walk with Jesus. So, um, this is something that's really been challenging for me, and I I really want you guys to to, uh, see its importance, and then let's just practice it, you know. It could take time. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's so beneficial, right, as we can see in the Bible. So, um, let's, I think we're running out of time today. So, um, let's 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 stand, and uh, we're going to collect the offering, and at the same time, I'm going to prepare the communion, and then uh, we're going to head out. All right. So, uh, yeah, would you would you all please stand? Um, so, as uh, this is the this is the communion that we take. This is when Paul was talking about breaking bread. This is what they're doing. Are right? they breaking bread and they're sharing a meal together? And they're remembering Jesus' So That's what we do here when we, when we take this. We have some crackers representing the body of Christ. All right, it's just crackers. It's a symbol. We have some grape juice. Um, and it's also a symbol. This represents you know, Jesus' blood shed for us, which can wash away our sins. And this is really what we're all about here, you know, remembering Jesus. So uh, as we come forward to take this together, if you need any help, let us know. We have people who can help. Um, just raise your hand, and Usher will come help you. And come forward, I take it, if you're a Christian, if you really believe in Jesus and you want to follow him, come and take it, remember Jesus, and then we'll take it together at the way end, all right? And then we're, let's play the last song, uh, uh, Never Once, Never Once, all right? So whenever you're ready, just come forward and then and we'll take it together at the way end.